Welcome to the Off Your Ass and Out of Your Head podcast. I'm your host, Diana Ricciardi. And here we crush all the BS that's left you stuck in the same spot month after month, year after year. We are going to shift your mindset, get up, get moving, and get inspired so we can rewire the neural pathways in your brain and change the way you act, think, and feel. You are in the right spot if you're frustrated that your mind seems to be behaving as your worst enemy, and you are exactly where you need to be if you often feel anxious and unknowingly feed into self-sabotaging behaviors. You are here because you are ready to get off your ass, out of your head, and experience life. Let's start squeezing all the goodness out of what this world has to offer through fun, travel, food, and love. Are you with me? Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for being here with me today. I'm recording this on June 13th, um, which is about two and a half weeks after the protests have started in lots of our towns and cities. This is a revolutionary time. It really is. And what was happening 50, 30, 10 years ago and still today Um, is not flying anymore. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about the police force, the system that um, the police force is rooted in. We're going to talk about mental health in the black community, about our ego getting in the way of our integrity, and a lot of other stuff. So buckle up. Um, These are my thoughts on what's going on. I'm going to start out with something, um, the way that um, the human brain works, or at least I believe that it works. So our ego and significance, our need for significance can be super dangerous. And our need for significance is, is, um, the need that we have to feel important, to be seen, to, you know, if, if we're hurt, um, some people who need a lot of significance might go around telling everybody how they hurt themselves. So our ego and our significance can really fuck shit up. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, that man, the cop who killed um, George Floyd, Chauvin, he probably didn't go to work that day specifically thinking that he was going to leave a murderer. However, what personality traits led up to that, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you were wrong, but your pride wouldn't let you back down? Some people's, some people's pride is so strong, I believe, that it can drive them, it can overtake anything else. So this is kind of what I imagine what was happening there. And it's disgusting that his ego and his pride and his need to be right and his obvious racism overshadowed somebody's life because in that moment, he was abusing his power, obviously. His need for significance became larger than the picture at hand, which is protecting the people, right? Somebody like that cannot be a cop (laughs) because the need for protecting people went out the window. He wanted to hurt him. He's a fucking murderer. Somebody's life went out the window. The voices of the people screaming on the street went out the fucking window in that moment because his significance reigned supreme. Now, this part especially is not to bash cops as a whole. We know that there are good cops out there. We know that there are good cops. And I'm going to get way down deep into what I think makes a good cop 
and what I feel doesn't. But these stories are to give you a tiny inside look of my third party experience of what it might be like being a black person in a white town, especially, and why it's still so problematic. Because if they properly screen these officers, why did I see three different cops over the course of a few years bring my brother, who's half Jamaican, to the front door asking if, and I quote, if he belonged to us? (laughs) because he was hanging out outside of our house, smoking a cigarette one time, and twice cleaning his car. So there are things like that that are absolutely a problem and that I've seen happen, but I still can't imagine what it's like because I wasn't the one feeling dehumanized in that moment, you know? And again, this isn't to bash cops as a whole. I'm getting there. But these are, again, my third-party experiences that I just want you to be aware that they still are happening. Um, Why, when the only time I ever got pulled over with my ex, he pulled him out of the car and assumed that he had crack and that I had pills. And then when he said, I'm a teacher, they let us go. What does being a teacher have to do with it? Nothing. But in that moment, he went from an intimidating black man to a non-threatening teacher. Like, what does any of that have to do with anything? If you thought he had crack, check him for crack. If you don't think he has crack now because he's a teacher, why did you think he had crack in the first place? And guess what we got pulled over for? (laughs) For 2 a.m. in a CVS parking lot, pulling into a handicapped spot for like 30 seconds. They followed us from CVS back to home. Um, I do believe that black is what they see first, unless they have black sons. And this is why. We all have implicit bias. All of us. I'm not saying that cops are racist, okay? Everybody who has grown up in a white town with a white experience, and I'm going to get further into what a white experience is, has implicit bias. Now, this is created by the media. This is created by just a an internal, um, some people, well, most people have this... Um, this attraction to people that look like them and they're more likely to hire people that look like them and more likely to um, date people that look like them, right? So that is what implicit bias is. And there's a show, 100 Humans, that my client told me about and I haven't watched it yet, but apparently it's a show on, um, they give somebody a gun, I guess it's fake, hopefully. (laughs) And then they have two people come out of two doors. One is white and one is black. And you have to decide in a split second who you're going to shoot, right? And um, now I'm saying this out loud, it's really fucked up. (laughs) But they it's a social experiment. So one's white and one's black. And like a huge percentage pointed the gun at the black man. And it turns out that the black man was somebody that they worked with. So even the familiarity, familiarity, familiarity that they had with this man wasn't enough for them to see his actual face. They saw skin color before they saw his face. So this is what I mean by implicit bias and why cops should go through excessive training to dismantle all of that. Because again, think of where, like I'm 30 years old. Um, I'm very lucky to come from a family who literally never, ever, ever had a problem with who we hung out with, who we brought home, anything like that. There's never been any issues, even with my grandparents and great-grandparents and beyond. So I'm fortunate for that. 
But there's plenty of parents who are in their 60s who 50 years ago when interracial marriage wasn't legal, I'm recording this on June 13th, the day after Loving Day, which is when in 1967 interracial marriage actually became legal. It wasn't legal before then. So they grew up in a very different time. So their bias is so strong, a lot of them probably, and they're teaching their children this. So a lot of people have to dismantle this um, inherent way of thinking. I do not believe that six months and a personality test and a physical test is enough to expect cops to protect and serve the community when people's lives are at hand. They need excessive training to dismantle thoughts, to dismantle beliefs that people don't want to talk about. Because when we don't talk about it, look what happens. People get killed and nobody fucking wants to admit that they're racist. And I think that that um, the, the word racist is has taken on a broader term because of how ignorant people can be and it goes beyond ignorance. I feel like we need we need a new word in between racist and ignorant just to not tick people off when they hear racist because they shut down. They're like, I'm not racist. I don't I don't hate black people, you know? Uh, okay, if, if you think that racist means you hate black people, then you're gonna shut down. But racist can mean a multitude of things. It can mean that you're, you know, telling those those jokes you're telling you know inappropriate racist jokes and you might not hate black people but you might be behaving really inappropriately adding to the fuel that is happening in our country adding to the problem that is happening all around us and the problem is taking lives so it's time to fucking stop speak up to your friends speak up to I want to say speak up to your partners, but I, I know that cops get in trouble if they turn in a, another cop who's being racist. So that's what has to go. Um, that's what has to, you know, change. One of the things that has to change. You know, it's not fair um, to the good cops that they would get in trouble for, you know, turning somebody in. It sounds like I'm talking about high school, like tattling on them. Like, of course. Um, but then I, I think it's very important for good people who want to protect and serve to realize what type of system they're getting into because the system is what's fucked. I'll say it again, I know there are good cops out there and I want to believe that there's more good than bad, but I have my questions. And these questions all arise when I saw that video of the cop pushing that old man at the protest and the man fell down, banged his head and he was bleeding from the ears. I thought the guy died. And 75 police officers stepped right over his body. I am fucking sorry. I don't care if I'm losing my job. I don't care what the fuck is happening. Whoever tells me to step over a bleeding elderly man is getting punched in the fucking face and I'm helping that person. I don't care what's on the line. The protection of the people has to come before anything. It doesn't come after the respect of your fellow cops. It doesn't come after the respect of your boss. It comes first. Now, I want to talk about what to me, makes a good cop, right? Um, does a good cop mean not using excessive force? Does a good cop mean not using your gun and getting shoot happy? Does a gun, um, does, a, does a good cop mean that you don't want to kill innocent people? 
Or does a good cop mean that when you hear racial injustices in your family or along your friends and, you know, your fellow cop friends when you're hanging out, if somebody makes these jokes, this is how you dismantle it. You dismantle it in your circle. I know that, you know, maybe you would get in trouble for turning another officer in, but don't tell me that you can, you're a cop and you don't hang out with other cops. So when you're at the barbecue, when you're hanging around the fire pit and somebody tells one of those jokes, this, this happens, you know, in a lot of friends groups, I'm not saying it just happens in groups of cops, but when this is a way that you can help, you know, dismantle that, that system that they've learned from and speak up and speak up against racial injustices in your life. I especially feel for the black cops who have sons and daughters and have to worry about them in these streets. And I also know that I come from a very white town and I grew up hearing these injustices my whole life, all throughout high school and all throughout college. And guess what? Half of these people are cops now. (laughs) And the reason that this is so alarming is because they're in charge of who gets killed. They might not even realize, and like I was saying conversations in their home, maybe putting them in a position that they don't even realize. So unless you're someone who has actively done the work, openly are willing to learn, I have my doubts of cops that come from the whitewashed towns. And lots of them have done great things, I'm sure. They, you know, save babies. They're funny. Their friends love them. On paper, they're good people. They're one of the good cops, right? Does it not matter that some of the good cops also don't realize their white bias or privilege? Because this is what gets people killed. Remember the 100 humans um, show? You see familiarity before you see anything, and we have to dismantle these learnings. Do I think that most of the people who I grew up with in high school who became cops would be considered good people? Yes, but do I think that makes them good cops? No. And let me explain um, something actually specific. Um, I had this friend growing up and I remember his mom saying very racist things. But I was like 10, so I didn't speak up to his mom, you know? I just kind of slowly distanced myself from the, the whole situation. And fast forward, um, he's now a cop. And I've heard him make racist jokes as, you know, adults in high school and college. And then they became a cop, you know, right after. And do I think that that person has had racial training? No, I don't. So do I think that that makes him a good cop? (laughs) Absolutely not. There's shit that he has to unravel there. So unfortunately, it doesn't matter how many babies you save if you still might have a slight instinct to kill someone who doesn't look like you because that is the real threat right now. And before anybody uses the argument that black people kill more black people than cops kill black people, yes, you're right. Now let's look at that statistic and why that is. Black people are not awarded the same education as a general whole, they're not awarded the same education, just like black people are not afforded the same health care. They're looked at as less than in society, in the white man's eyes, in, in societies, in white society's eyes. I'm trying, I don't know how to title this, but um, I don't mean all in the eyes of all white men. I mean, in the eyes of white society. So when we look at the crime rate going up, in black communities, that's because the education system is fucked when it comes to the black communities. Um, The black community is more likely to live in the projects. They're more likely to not be able to get the jobs that they are qualified for. They're more likely to come from poverty. And that's not because they're not smart enough or they don't know what they're doing. That's because of the way that the system is set up. 
The system caters to white people. So why are we so surprised when crime in the black community is skyrocketing? It's a correlation between education and structure not being prevalent. And then we blame it on the black community for being quote unquote wild, right? Meanwhile, the system is what fucked them in the first place. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath. I want to talk to you about why people are saying that culture doesn't really matter right now. That like nobody cares about your culture, right? <laughs> because we're, we're focused on the black community because that who, that's who's on fire right now, right? So I'm Hispanic and Sicilian. Um, my culture back in the day wasn't perceived as white. We had our own cultures. We were dark. Um, the people in Italy and Sicily were very dark. But as time went on, Italians started looking more white. So even though this is my culture, I had a white experience, which means that when I go and get an apartment, when I go and get a job or whatever, you know, I still have the woman strike against me, but I'm light. So... It's just that time has given the gift of the white experience to Italians, but my culture doesn't determine how people treat me when they look at me. Years ago, um, Sicilians, the, my family didn't own slaves. We were slaves. So I don't feel, I don't have that ancestral um, innate, you know, slave trade um, blood but I still have had the white experience and that is privilege. And the white experience, it makes you have to look at the implicit bias and unravel that, right? And this isn't to say that just because you aren't black doesn't mean that you haven't experienced discrimination based on your skin color. Let me give you an example though of another example of why the black community needs our support right now. As much as Muslims have been given a bad name, for example, since 9-11, um, a real, one of the most ignorant comments that I heard come out of somebody's mouth about a black person came from somebody from Afghanistan. So even though there are people who have experienced discrimination because of their skin color or their culture, doesn't mean that they have respect for the black struggle. And I'm sure that there are black people out there who are discriminatory against Muslims too. They exist, I'm sure. But the Muslims aren't the ones getting killed by police right now. So that's not what we're focused on right now. Same thing goes for the All Lives Matter statement. I'm not even going to get into it. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but just in case, let's just go by that little snippet of, you know, your house being on fire. And if you see somebody's house on fire, you're going to go and put it out. It doesn't mean that your house doesn't matter. Your house is still standing. Your house is great. It might be beautiful. You have a great house, but it's not on fucking fire. So the fact that that people turn to All Lives Matter as an argument for Black Lives Matter is bullshit because their house is on fire. Why are you going to talk about your house? Shut up about your house, which by the way, people have been admiring for years and help your neighbors put out their fire. Your house will still be beautiful. It doesn't take away from your house to help other people. Okay, I also want to just remind everybody that when women gain the right to vote um, with the 19th Amendment, even though it passed on paper, black women were not allowed to vote until 1965, until um, the, the Voting Rights Act which outlawed discriminatory voting practices. So just put that in your head for a second. The 19th Amendment passed in 1920, right? I think it was 1920. And 
Until 1965, black women couldn't vote. So even though women could vote, black women couldn't. So (laughs) like this shit has been going on um, for a long ass time. And it wasn't even dismantled until not even one lifetime ago, our parents' lifetimes. So this is very fresh. It's really fresh. People think that, you know, it's done and over with, but it is super fresh. Something else, I've been noticing a lot of people with the Black Lives Matter movement pressuring um, a lot of people to speak up. And if they haven't, here's the thing. I know that a lot of people haven't spoken up because they don't know what to say and they don't want to say the wrong thing. Cool. I understand that. And the work is done offline, not online. So just because somebody doesn't post doesn't mean that they're not reading about it, doesn't mean that they're not educating themselves. However, And at the same time, if somebody hasn't had one woman of color on their platform up until now, up until everybody's speaking out, why are you going to beg for the space? Fuck that. Like, look at the the businesses who have been inclusive for longer, for the whole time. I see influencers who in the past, (laughs) I'm not going to say any names, but um, a big thing happened where somebody was promoting Tommy Lahren, and now they are very upset because they articulated themselves wrong. But it's very easy to articulate yourself wrong when you haven't been inclusive for the past 10, 20 years of your business. And this isn't a time to parade your two black friends around. It's a time to step back and ask yourself why it took this movement to do so. There are companies who have been oppressing people for years and now they're on the trend. Maybe this triggers me so much because I am also guilty of not speaking out publicly for a long time. And even though um, I know from a third party perspective that it's it's only the, you know, the work that you do counts um, in your life and not on social media, like I just said, but I actually had a block of speaking out publicly because for a long time, I was worried about making people uncomfortable, not white people, but making um, black people uncomfortable. I didn't realize that white voices could help black voices being alongside of them. I thought that they'd be like, you know, we got this. We don't need you describing our struggle type thing. But that's not what it's about. Um, It's about using your privilege for good and not being the savior, not saying, oh, you know, I have to I have to save this poor person. No, it's about stepping up in the face of people who um, are treating the people that you love poorly and just being real, just using the fact that you know that this asshole is going to listen to you more. You have a stronger voice in this stupid person's eyes because you look more like them, okay? So that's what using your privilege is about. I remember the first time that I was ever triggered a little bit by something pertaining to white fragility was watching Save the Last Dance. Now, all right, let's not pretend I don't know the scene by heart. Um, Julia Stiles is talking to Nikki, which is a girl who likes Julia Stiles' boyfriend, or her boyfriend is black. So Nikki says, it ain't over. Um, You know, this is about you, white girls like you. Creeping up, taking our men. The whole world ain't enough, so you gotta conquer ours too. And... Julia Stiles is all, you know, well, you know, we like each other and, you know, that's that. And, you know, cool. But Julia Stiles didn't get it until she, um, she didn't understand what she meant until she went to her friend, Carrie Washington. And Carrie Washington actually sided with the other girl and said, you know, she had a reason to say what she said. 
And Julia Stiles is all like, you know, there's only one world, Chenille. And Kerry Washington is all, uh, that is what they tell you. We know different. And at nine years old, I was like, oh, shit. Um, like, I got it in that moment. I was like, fuck. Okay, 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 okay. Check, checkmate. Um, I understand what the fuck she's talking about. And that is that black communities are losing their good men. They're losing their men at a rapid rate, whether it be from police crime, whether it be from black on black crime, which people love to talk about so much. They're losing their men at a rapid rate. And then a white girl comes in and gets to enjoy, you know, quote unquote, one of the last great black men that's left, right? That hadn't been taken by drive-bys, drugs, or gang violence in her neighborhood. And Julia Stiles didn't see it that way. That doesn't mean that she was racist. It just means that she came from her own whitewashed world and she never had to see her men getting killed and being taken from her, her brothers, her um, her lovers, her whoever, you know? So that is what Kerry Washington saw and that's why it triggered her to see a white girl coming in dating one of the, you know, great black men that she sees left. We have to step away from the media, from the news that implants these poor pictures in our head and start watching stuff that shows um, these hard conversations and start watching stuff that triggers you a little bit to check why that triggers you. Start watching shows with love, with black love, you know, like instead of just living in a bubble of what the news shows you about the black community or what the news um, implants in our mind on purpose, we don't even realize it. But like half the time, if a white man robs a store, they're just going to tell you that a man robbed a store. And then if a black man robs the store, they'll say a black man robbed the store. It's the same thing that they do with pit bulls. Everyone wants to paint pit bulls in a terrible light. So they will say like, you know, a dog attacked another dog. But if it's a pit bull dog, they'll say a pit bull attacked another dog. So now they're able to push their agenda and prove their point, which isn't even accurate. If we looked at the stats, you would know that chihuahuas actually attack more people than pit bulls do. So like they have their implicit biases that they are trying to, you know, get us to go along with. And we have to actively dismantle these things that the media puts into our head. Some other shows that have helped me check myself over the years, Insecure. I love that show with Issa Rae. It's on um, HBO. Um, There is She's Gotta Have It, which is on Netflix. There's Little Fires Everywhere, which is on Hulu. Fantastic series. There's the obvious ones like Malcolm X. There's um, a movie for Colored Girls, which is on um, Netflix. There's what else? What else? If I think of them, I'll put them in the show notes. But there's a lot of shows, great shows and movies out there that you can watch that help you check your triggers. And when something is triggered inside of us, just like any other time, any other emotion, when something is said in any regard, when we check, why can't I say that? Check our triggers, <laughs> we realize, you know, why they're in there and we can learn to dismantle these um, one-sided views that we have. Even in fifth grade, I knew that that statement wasn't about her personality. It wasn't about her specifically because Julia Stiles didn't do anything wrong. She just didn't understand. She didn't get that like it was about the fact that white people have been stealing ideas and culture from black people forever and taking the credit. 
it's happened in history for, you know, countless amount of years. And I've seen it happen firsthand in the coaching world. And um, I actually just had to check myself last week because I've been saying people of color instead of black people. And I thought I was being all inclusive. And, you know, I've heard my my friends and my peers say like they prefer person of color. So that's what I was saying in regard to um, this movement that's going on. And then I was corrected that we're not talking about all people of color right now. Black people are the ones who are conti- who are being oppressed right now. So that's the one who we're helping right now. Yes, everybody has been discriminated against people who are not white throughout history. And right now we see it happening more and more in our black communities. So what we um, what do we do when we get called out and check ourselves? We just say, okay, and accept it and move on. And then if we do something quote unquote wrong again or say something wrong, we just say, okay, we accept it, we apply it. And we move on. It's not about the phrases that make you comfortable right now. It's about honoring your friends and what makes them feel comfortable right now. So just because you don't agree with something that somebody says, just let it the fuck go and just apply and move on. (laughs) If you truly love your black friends like you say you do, just drop the need to feel right right now and just let them, if they're being so generous to teach you to take the time out to actually be open with you and speak to you about these things which you know they don't owe any energy to that um listen just use it and listen and then go home and write out your triggers there don't don't use it don't do it in the conversation right then and there all right just write it down jesus i also want to talk about the black community and mental health issues now um let's touch on black men first they are specifically, I believe, looked upon as it's it comes from Caribbean culture and from African culture that like you are the man of the house, right? You're in charge. You are, you're the alpha. Um, you have to hold shit down. You don't cry. Um, yeah, don't you dare cry. So, I mean, a lot of men are brought up this way, but specifically in the black community, it is even more prevalent, I believe. So we have... Um, lots of black men who are depressed and not saying anything. And this really does go for all men. But specifically, right now, we're talking about black men because in addition to being the man, the man who is a little less flexible with his emotions and his body, it's very connected. But in addition to being a man, a black man also has the racial injustices to endure on top of that. So that's why we're specifically talking about black men right now. So um, when you're told for so long not to cry, not to cry, you know, you basically can't feel pain, you push it away. Um, And you're also being fed all of these bullshit situations that literally create a a fire inside of you that you just want to burst out in tears probably. How is that not a mental mindfuck? And then let's look at black women who, you know, we all know that women in general are looked at as lesser than men. We get paid less. We get less respect. We get less likely to, you know, more likely to get ripped off. Um, But again, black women on top of being women have to deal with the racial injustices. So they are looking at a harder time. So that is again, why we're speaking about black women. So black women in the mental health um, community. Well, this statement goes for men and women understandably often look to seek out black therapists because white therapists can sympathize with a black client all that they want. But as people, we look to somebody who has had similar experiences as us because when you want that empathy, when you really want that that um, feeling of this person knows what I went through, 
it's no wonder that a black person would want a black therapist. And um, depending on your health insurance or your location, you don't always get a huge array of therapists to pick from. So, you know, that can make it difficult. It would just be the same as me wanting to go to, well, not the same, but a similar um, situation of me wanting to go to a therapist who, you know, might have an autoimmune disease. So she understands these, you know, deep pains that I understand or a therapist who has been through anxiety before. Now, I can't speak for everybody, um, but I'm going to assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're in some way, shape or form my people, including the actual good cops, maybe some of you. And the biggest thing to realize is that we all want the same things. I want peace. You want peace. We want equality. We want the same things. We want justice for the racist cops. Half the time, we don't realize that what we're fighting over is the same exact thing. We're just going about it two completely different ways. And it looks like polar opposites. No good people want black people to continue dying at the hands of cops. Okay. So the good cops and the people fighting for racial um, justice in the streets, uh, I mean, I, I want to say ban, have to band together, you know, and just taking a knee isn't enough. We have to work on a um, an actual plan to create change because, you know, painting Black Lives Matter in the streets and painting all the fists all over the place, like that's nice. It's nice to put up your sign and show solidarity, but what is all of this doing if we're not actually going to work towards change? So that is the most important part. We can't forget what we're doing this for. And I didn't come up with this. I'm sure you've seen it on the internet. Just a quick touch on the um, riots and everything. Instead of saying, it's not right that an innocent man got killed, but stop ruining our businesses. Ruining our businesses is wrong, right? Instead, try saying, it's not right that businesses are being destroyed, but police brutality and the killing of innocent black men need to stop. We need to focus on the bigger issue at hand. If a subgroup of rioters are forming a blanket statement over all protesters being bad, then why when we're presented with evidence of the police system being fucked up, we're still expected to acknowledge that there are good cops. And yes, we should acknowledge that there are good cops, but we also must acknowledge that there are peaceful protesters. And if you're a good cop, this episode shouldn't trigger you beyond realizing what you have to do a little bit differently. And if it does trigger you, then you realize what you have to work on. And if you don't agree with this and you're still failing to look at your privilege, um, then turn in your badge because this line of thinking is what gets people killed. How many times are we just going to accept the fact that, you know, there are good cops, but there are just some bad apples. This isn't a profession where there's enough room for all of these bad apples. When people's lives are in the hand of other human beings, there cannot be this many bad apples. So where's the problem? It's in the fucking system. What's more dangerous is that silent racism, right? The one where where the person doesn't hate all black people, who doesn't constantly, you know, make comments. It's the person who has these biases who are failing to look at their privilege and whose learnings mixed with his ego sees the next black man that he detains as such a threat that he has to take his life. This is what needs to be eliminated. This line of thinking, this subtle line of thinking that people don't even realize are there sometimes. So I'm not saying that every cop who is a threat hates black people, right? But their learnings mixed with an ego that has not been checked is the most dangerous weapon that a crooked cop can carry. Is it about protecting the people or is it about just holding the power to do so? I believe that cops need, um, like I said, more education 
and longer training. And this will help weed out the people who just want to hold a badge, who just want to hold power. Because you and I both know that there are some people like that. I saw a picture of a cop pointing a gun at a child. I mean, come on. This child is not a threat to you. What are you doing? What are you trying to prove? (sighs) Remember, a lot of people think it's black against the police. It goes way deeper than that. Once again, it's the fucked up police system. But despite how many good ones there are, we cannot overlook the fact that the killing of black men is rooted in racism and oppression. And before you say that um, more white men are killed by cops each year, yes, that's because there's more white people in the world. So the percentage is going to be way higher. And that's a fact. But when you're looking at the actual numbers, the killings of black men exceed the killings of white men. Does that make sense? I think that I described it right. (laughs) And let me just say one more time. I do not condone violence. I do not condone the the destruction of homes and businesses. I saw a video the other day. I was actually crying because she was so desperate to protect her business. And as a business owner of one that's just getting off the ground, I wept for her, honestly. And also, haven't you ever felt so much emotion that you literally wanted to just like tear your own skin off? People do it all the time. Anxiety attacks, self-harm. And we wonder where this violence comes from. I'm not talking about the assholes robbing stores, taking advantage of the situation. Fuck those people. I saw this woman running out of Target with two lamps. Like, really? Two lamps? But the yelling, the feeling the need to march as a loud voice for once comes from years and years of oppression and racism aimed at my black brothers and sisters coming to a head. Right? At the end of the day, we all want the same things. Remember, at least I assume the people listening on my platform are on the same page, like I said, and that we want to end racism. We want to be anti-racist. We want equality. The way we go about that isn't for white people to decide to pick apart what is right and what is wrong to say. Our job is to lead with a true heart. And if you're having trouble doing that, look inwards. Have the hard conversations with your friends, with your black friends if they're willing, and with your white friends, because we dismantle them by talking out loud and by realizing each other's triggers and each other's um, phrases that don't sound right. So talk about it with your white friends. If you don't have black friends, ask why, right? It's time to pull up for our brothers and sisters. It's time to march alongside of them. It's been time. And honestly, there's not one more moment to waste because the more time we waste, the more lives get taken. And that is what we want to see less of, what we want to see none of. So um, I hope that everything I said came off appropriately. I rambled a lot. Um, I hope that you gained some insight from this episode. I maybe somebody else that you know needs to hear it. And I hope that you guys have a great week. Um, Remember to take some time for self-care. The energy has been really heavy. Go out in nature, get barefoot. um, Just enjoy yourself among the trees. (laughs) Go to the beach somewhere where you can be, uh, you know, isolated and and feel good because self-care is super important because we don't want to just fight this week and next week and then burn out right? We want to add this into our practice, add inclusion, more inclusion into our practice. So have a great week. Thank you so, so much for being here and giving me this time with you. I will talk to you very soon.